back to our special Africa edition of This Is Comp, where Discord and Rhyme talks about compilations and playlists, artist by artist, song by song. All right, let's do the roll call. Rich Bunnell. Mike DeFabio. Chris Willie Williams. Okay, so we're pressing on with our Africa playlist, though since the last recording, I've actually become aware that the generally accepted term for African popular music is Afropop, so if we end up changing that title eventually, you heard it here first. So today we're getting the chance to focus mostly on one country, though one with a multi-thousand year history that transcends political borders, NBD. Uh, So most of this set comes from Mali, and the tighter focus should give you a sense of some of the overlap between styles and traditions, or at least as much as we can identify in such a musically diverse region. Okay, so we're going to start with a track from Ali Farkature, featuring Rai Kuder, and this is called Gomni. This is what Rye Cooter was doing instead of singing at Gord Downey's funeral. For <laughs> shame, Cooter. The chronology checks out, yeah. <laughs> yes. In this 1994 collaboration. He's a time lord. <laughs> Ali Farkature was a guitarist who's credited as being among the first and certainly among the most influential Malian guitarists to depart somewhat from the griot traditions, which we'll hear about in a moment, from Rich, (laughs) Mm -hmm. because I don't understand them, by incorporating the influence of Western blues back full circle into the African music that was blues' source to begin with. I'm going to be honest with you, I don't know a damn thing about the blues, except that Blues Hammer is the greatest blues artist of them all. (laughs) (laughs) So when I read that Ture infused his music with a lot of superpositions and rhythms taken from Western artists like John Lee Hooker, I can't point you to any particular element in the music as an example of this. But whatever formula Ture cooked up sure resonated once the world got wind of it, though, because he's frequently named among the greatest guitarists of all time. Well, well, Ali Farkature himself wasn't part of the griot tradition, but we'll be talking about an artist in just a second who was, and uh, and, and it certainly like was influential on his music. And uh, so I'm going to talk about the deeper history of the blues in more de- detail later, but the, so the relationship between West African music and blues music basically isn't a simple, this leads to this causal arrow is the nut of it. And I think Ali Farkature's music is a good example of that. Like, uh, like he's considered quintessential, authentic Malian music, but he himself was influenced by artists like John Lee Hooker, Lightning Hopkins, Big Joe Williams, and 
they themselves had musical roots in West African music, et cetera, et cetera. You get the picture and so right. on and so forth. Uh, like if you, if you just look at the history of slide guitar, it went all over the place. Like it's in Hawaiian music. And anyway, you can talk about this for days. Uh, but uh, basically what I'm getting at here is that like Ture is one of those artists who like the more you read about him, he makes music feel really, really big. And hmm. I love that. That's yeah. good putting it. Uh, Mike, what do you think? Well, Ali Farcaturi was somebody I'd heard uh, a little bit by, but uh, I had never heard this song before. And also, Ry Cooter is somebody whose work I'm not all that familiar with, aside from his work with the Rolling Stones and Captain Beefheart and uh, the Paris, Texas soundtrack. I've liked everything I've heard by uh, that he's been involved with. I, th- I think he's he's worth investigating further. Yeah, he he seems like he seems like he is. And and hey, Tortoise named a song after him, so there's, <laughs> that's always a ringing a ringing endorsement. Uh, <laughs> but I th- this this song is really cool. It's the kind of song that just kind of floats along on one chord, and you just sink into it. I didn't notice it was like a seven minute song when I first listened to it, and I just yeah. happened to I just happened to look up at the time, and five minutes had gone by, and that's. That's really the mark of a good song, I think. It really doesn't sound like uh, a song featuring a big famous rock guitarist. He, Ry Cooter just uh, melds into this song perfectly. Um, it's it's completely seamless. And uh, also my, my favorite little tidbit about Ali Farcatori is that he uh, eventually became the mayor of his hometown in Mali. Yes, yes, he did. He did. In 2004, he became mayor of Nyafunke, which is actually the name of one of his albums from the late 90s. And uh, he did a lot of like street and, and water infrastructure improvement. And this was at the end of his life, too. So, th- yeah, good for him. Yeah. Yeah, I think he li- he he didn't live that long. I think he lived to 66, if I recall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 66 or 67. So he he accomplished a whole lot. Indeed. Yeah, I enjoyed the albums I listened to in the last set for the Africa playlist, but I have to admit that it would take a big change in my taste for any of them to, to really become regular listening for me. But uh, I would say that this entire set, on the other hand, uh, and especially Ali Farcature, uh, maybe it's just the closer links to blues and genres that I'm like familiar with, but like my primary reaction to these Malian artists is that I want to hear more of it as quickly as possible, basically. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's 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 guitar music essentially. Yeah, that might be it. I, just I there's just tons that. of guitars, <laughs> but they do like lots of things with it that I've uh, not that I'm just not used to hearing. And yeah, this is right. where my yeah. like yeah dummy Western ears come in. <laughs> yeah, I can hear the the link to to stuff like John Lee Hooker though. Not not that he, he sounds just like John Lee Hooker or anything, but they both have a thing of just like a guy with a guitar just plugging away on one chord and. Mm-hmm. Boogieing. Yeah, the word the word I saw was hypnotic used for both for both of them. Yeah. Okay, so we have another Ali Farcature song. This one is a collaboration with Tumani Diavate, and this is Debe. Thank you. 
Iseka wulini yoraina Dabate Nyege minkanyi ya famude Kamina amanyi siya lade Gebe comes from the 2005 album In the Heart of the Moon, a collaboration between Ali Farkature and Kora player Tumani Diavate, who comes from the West African griot tradition, spelled G-R-I-O-T. So, Mali and West Africa in general have an incredibly deep history, stretching to 500 BCE across more than a dozen states and empires. From the 13th to the 17th centuries, the region was part of the Mali and later the Songhai Empire, and then a number of smaller states before the modern borders were drawn by French colonialists in 1892. Uh, And to give you a sense of how much of this history is bound up in Touré's music alone. Uh, so he's ethnically Songhai, but he was born in French Sudan under the under the colonialist regime and died on the same soil in the independent state of Mali in 2006. Uh, so what I'm saying is that Mali has a ton of history to the point where there's an entire class of people, griots, uh, who devote their lives to retelling this history through oral tradition. So griots are a huge component of of West African music, and they'll come up again on this playlist. They have a long, complicated history that's a bit too big for our podcast britches, but the nut of it is that griots pull in big money, critical acclaim, and respect on the international stage, uh, whereas their history in West Africa is a lot more fraught, uh, tied up in a lot of issues of class and caste. Uh, So... Uh, They took on greater importance to Western audiences after being prominently featured in Alex Haley's book Roots, uh, as well as the hit TV miniseries, which I saw in junior high. (laughs) I saw parts of it in junior high whenever my history teacher was hungover. (laughs) (laughs) So the first thing that pops to mind for me personally when I hear griots is the 1993 album Inner City Griots by the hip-hop collective Freestyle Fellowship. And that's a classic right there if you haven't heard it, by the way. So, Mike, what do you think of Debe? Ah, well, the, the, the thing that jumps out to me the most about this song is, is that Cora. I think that's a fascinating instrument mm-hmm. uh, because it sounds, I mean, to my ears, you know, to my Western acclimated ears, it almost sounds like a, it almost sounds like a harpsichord. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it has this kind of almost almost baroque quality to me, which is very mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah, and we don't have a whole producer mic segment here, but I guess we no. should like explain what a cora is. It's a it's a twenty one string instrument that's kind of a combination of a lute and a harp and a melon and a melon. Yeah. <laughs> Will, what about you? Uh, yeah, just the obviously obviously the song is just a technical marvel. The the cora is an amazing instrument that you should definitely look up. Uh, it's spelled K-O-R-A. Mm-hmm. It's got 21 strings, each of which makes its own unchanging sound. So it's not like a guitar where you change the the tone of the string by pressing it in a different place. So you can make those cool flamenco sounding runs really mm-hmm. fast. So technically, this, this song is just obviously a, a marvel. Um, and a, a bunch of other videos I looked at just to see how a chorus is played and what it is were equally impressive. I don't like this particular song so much just because the main repetitive guitar figure sounds a little too much like how I imagine the inside of snow globes sound, <laughs> <laughs> but it's such an 
impressively played instrument. That's a really trippy snow globe, in my opinion. <laughs> uh, yeah, to me, I like the I, I I love the combination of like the droning guitar and kind of like the lightning fast core part. It, it keeps my attention for the entire song. And I'll say that like uh, that in the heart of the moon is very very well worth listening to as a whole. So this episode is a case where I think every album we're featuring is on Spotify. Though if you like it, you should buy it in in cases where it's still available. Okay, so now we have another one by Too Many Diavate, but this time it's a collaboration with American blues musician Taj Mahal. This is Queen B. <laughs> Queen Bee comes from the 1990 album Kalanjan, a collaboration between Too Many Javate and American blues musician Taj Mahal, uh, who our co-host Amanda has seen live, apparently, and she reports that he was excellent. So this song is actually a rearrangement of a Taj Mahal original from his 1978 album Evolution. Sweeter than a honeybee, yeah, baby, then sweet on me. Sweeter than a honeybee, yeah, my queen bee. So Mahal and Diabate recorded this album in Athens, Georgia, with a group of Malian musicians, including Ramata Radyakate, whose vocals you can actually hear alongside Mahal's on this track. That was her in the inter- in the introduction there. Uh, so they named the album Kulanjan after a song off of the album Ancient Strings by Diabate's father, Siddiqui Diabate. So there's even some of that griot oral tradition built into the title. Like Ali Farkature, Taj Mahal believed that African-American music like the Delta Blues has its roots in work songs and spirituals brought to America by African slaves. So this history is still blurry and subject to a lot of debate because part of the dehumanizing reality of American slavery is that slave owners rarely felt the need to keep records on the arts and culture of enslaved people, and in fact often actively took steps to repress it. It's horrible. So if you want an extensive look at the subject, I recommend uh, I recommend reading Africa and the Blues by Gerhard Kubik, who is the leading international scholar on the transmission of blues. And he also made an appearance on the radio show and podcast Afropop Worldwide that I'll link to in the show description. It's a really, really good episode. So I don't want to I don't want to get too into the weeds in terms of musicology, but some of the links that Kubik makes are really interesting and they're rooted in both the cultures and the geography of northern Africa, which I like. Uh, so, for example, like the sort of melismatic blues singing style where you hit many pitches in one note. Uh, so that likely comes from like Arabic music that made its way to West Africa through trans-Saharan trade networks. Whereas, in contrast, the way blues tends to stick to a steady rhythm and a sort of like pentatonic singing scale, that 
more likely comes from the way people would sing in West African millet fields. So it's all just this big blend of influences. And it's not just those two. The world is complicated. Uh, But blues is still kind of a musical mystery. And a lot of that is because of the nature of history and who gets to tell it. So I like it. (laughs) Uh, I was kind of surprised that this song sounded the way it did or that it was so... uh... I wasn't expecting such a gentle song because most of the the Taj Mahal I've heard is stuff like uh, it would be songs like, for instance, Leaven Trunk from his nineteen sixty eight self titled album, mm-hmm. um, which is a lot more of a just full on stomping electric blues song. Mm-hmm. This is almost uh, this is entirely different from that. This is almost folk. One of the things I like about Taj Mahal, I, I don't know a whole lot of his music. But one of the things I like about him is that he's he's not he's by no means any kind of stylistic purist. He's always just taken influences from everywhere. So that mm-hmm. he would make an album with a bunch of Mali musicians is it makes perfect sense. And I like that like we heard Ali Farka Toure, you know, being influenced by people like John Lee Hooker, and now we've got Taj Mahal going even further than that and actually recording with a bunch of Mali musicians and really melding you know, his music and Molly and music together and, and making this. I mm-hmm. think it's really nice. I know I presented that whole like socio-historical treatise there on the blues, but I'd actually never heard of either Taj Mahal or Too Many Javate or any of these artists before about a month ago, uh, for the record. You were just introduced to Taj Mahal independently of this, though, weren't you? Didn't you, say? Yeah, actually, I was. I have I, So I have a new upstairs neighbor, and uh, when he heard that I had a music podcast, he mentioned, oh, I've seen Taj Mahal live. And I'm like, oh, I literally just learned about him, but I didn't tell him that part. I'm like, oh, Taj Mahal, I know who that is. <laughs> I'm <laughs> carrying these large parcels. I don't want to hear what shows you've been to. <laughs> this is totally unrelated to anything we've been talking about, but I, I sort of feel like David Byrne is doing an impression of Taj Mahal's voice on Talking Heads Blind. Someone should have told him. The buck stops No one ever said He was involved with thieves And they're blind Blind Blind, 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 blind And I feel like it's the sort of thing Chris France would bitch about <laughs> That's about all I've got Except I like this song I still have to read my copy of Remain in Love So I'll verify that for you Yes, please do <laughs> Yeah, we get to hear get to hear more Cora on this this song, which I've yes. quickly grown to love, so that's yeah. I don't I don't have much to add, but I I like this one too. Okay, let's move on to Laidu by Rokia Traore.
So we're moving more into the music of modern day Mali here. Uh, Rokia Traore had a fairly well-to-do international upbringing, living abroad in Europe with her diplomat father and six siblings and studying in Brussels. Her father was a saxophone player in Mali before his diplomatic career and helped inspire her own musical career. Uh, so depending on who you read, she was either discouraged from pursuing music either because she wasn't born into the griot class or just because her parents didn't want her to throw away her Western education. Uh, but either way, because of her overseas upbringing, Traore says that she actually has trouble performing Mali and traditional and contemporary music because her influences include a lot of jazz, rock, pop, and European classical music. Uh, but so Laidu is actually a very deliberate attempt to evoke Malian folk and musical culture, and she actually recorded it after a period studying under, here he is again, Ali Farka Touré. <laughs> uh, but even then, she approached it with a kind of outsider's ear. So uh, one thing I like here, well, it's not on this song, but she took some criticism for arrangements that that combine the Nagoni, which is the precursor to the banjo. And I, I believe we talked about that in the Rhiannon Giddens episode, um, as well as the balafone, which is a gourd resonated xylophone. So another instrument made out of a fruit. Is a gourd a fruit? Yeah. Yeah. Why not? Uh, but anyway, so the, it's, a, it's a tuber. <laughs> But anyway, she took a lot of flack for combining those because the instruments come from different parts of West Africa and are impossible to tune together. And I have a clip of a different song on the album where you can hear this. Almost kind of a trap mess replica to it. <laughs> Though he himself was was influenced by blues musicians so yeah anyway what do y'all think of Lido? i think it's beautiful yeah it's a gorgeous yeah. song I, i'm glad you picked the the clip that you did and the way the place that you picked to end it because that's my favorite part of the song mm -hmm. it's just right just around the two minute mark the tempo slows down just enough to be noticeable trary double tracks her voice for a couple seconds and then the song springs right back to what it was, and it is that has somehow transformed it for the next four minutes. Mm -hmm. It's just this this brief little, I don't know what, just if it's even a, a measure or a, how long it goes for, but mm -hmm. it 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 changes everything in the song, and it's and then the song just goes right back to what it was doing. <laughs> Mike, what about you? Yeah, I, th I think this is a, just a lovely, lovely song. Uh, I think I think she has a, a really nice voice. I love that we've got more Korra going on. Uh, it's got... It's so I hard not to make Legend of Korra jokes. It's so <laughs> hard. <sighs> it just burst it's out e there. Easy, easy for me. I've never seen it. But I, I, I love that it's so... You know, it's it's so light and it's so... You know, it's it's like it's it's light and it's pleasant to listen to without feeling the slightest bit insubstantial or like it's like it's a, a watered down version of something it's, yeah it's subdued but the the percussion in the background has this very satisfying crack to it mm -hmm. that, that keeps the song from kind of floating away it's probably the song i have the least to say about but it's it's another winner it's spoiler there's not a a, a bad song in the, this whole bunch i don't think 
Yeah, I agree. Oh, and finally, I'm going to link an interview with Charlie on from Afropop.org in the show description, uh, where she talks about the state of releasing music in Mali in the 21st century, which is to say, not good. Uh, basically, mm. the way she puts it, nobody actually releases albums in Mali anymore, uh, and a lot of music is produced and composed for individual patrons as just video clips on cell phones. Wow. So Yeah, uh, and this interview was from 2013, so the social media environment might have evolved since then, but I doubt that it's gotten any better. Is, is it because of, I mean, I know you, men- you mentioned on Slack that Molly's in the middle of some political upheaval. Oh, yes, yes. I, I, I guess we should say, like, that- well, at the moment, so since 2012, it's been in the, uh, there was a coup d'etat in 2012. That was the start of the Tuareg Rebellion, which we'll talk about the Tuaregs and, with the next song. But uh, yeah, no, there's been a lot of like political unrest. But even before then, it was not a good ecosystem for music in Mali. And just people had basically, like her agent, uh, her agent wouldn't even consider releasing her albums in Mali because no one would buy them. Wow. Okay, so but it, yeah. it's not like they're they're being suppressed or anything like like they're, well so uh, like it's not like things, the Khmer Rouge the, or anything the the modern day history of Mali the entire history of Mali is extremely I'm sorry. complicated <laughs> no no it's a, it, I it's, didn't it's mean a, to expect you to know all of this no no it's okay there actually was a period where the north of Mali was occupied by Islamic jihadists who did ban music for a while so uh, yeah there was a period where that happened so it's just, there's there's so much going on basically is what I'm saying. Uh, and we'll get to a little more of that history with the, with the next song. But yeah, like in modern day Molly, like gr- griots make money doing weddings and that's about it. But uh, you can't buy a Rokia Traore album in Molly, which I think is interesting. This this music is for an international audience. That is interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we, we already teased the next track, which I think we all want to talk about. This is Tenariwin with Tenere Takim Tasam. that has English lyrics. Is that a common thing for them? I've only heard a couple of their albums. I've only heard a couple, too. And this is, yeah. I got this album for free from a record store when I <laughs> I, I went around asking for donations for a library. Oh. And so, and I was surprised to hear Tunde Adabempe's voice come out of the stereo at me. Yeah. About, about halfway through the song, I was like, hey, hey, it's the TV on the radio guy. Yeah. <laughs> oh. 
Uh, oh, I didn't know that was him. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I didn't do my research on this one. Oh, yeah. That's Tunde. Well, it's Tunde Anabimpe and Kip Malone from uh, TV on the radio. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> Tunariwin uh, started out as just one guy, Ibrahim Ag Alabib, who I gather was sort of an itinerant child musician after his father was executed in a Tuareg uprising. Mm -hmm. And. Uh, he sort of shuffled from refugee camp to refugee camp in the 60s, playing a guitar that he designed and built himself after seeing one on TV. Wow. From what I can gather, he was born in 59, and this would have taken place throughout the 60s. So just to build your own gu guitar as <laughs> that wow. young a person is... Eat your heart out, Brian May. Wow. <laughs> it, it occurs to me that we should probably try to define who the Tuareg Tuaregs are, at least, at least to the extent that we can. So, like, so Malian geography, like this, this I've heard it described as like a big sailboat with the sail kind of tipped over, and like the bottom of it is like sub-Saharan Afri Africa, where the capital of Bamako is, and the north of it, where the sail is, is entirely the Saharan desert, and that's where you find the Tuaregs. And uh, mm -hmm. and it encompasses like a wide range of like demographics and political opinions and cultures, but basically, like that's uh, yeah, that's where you find them. Yeah, they're sort of. Um... Oh, and they're a nomadic people. That's a pretty critical piece of information to include. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, no set location <laughs> for the Tuaregs. Yeah, so he just he wound up. This kid wound up going from camp to camp playing uh, his guitar, and eventually, along the way, he began collecting more and more members for a band that. I guess was informally named Keltanariwin, which translates to the people of the deserts. And these additions to the band were also members of the, the Tuareg rebel community who were interested both in African protest music and Western pop music like Elvis, Jimi Hendrix, Santana, and for some reason, Boney M. Huh. <laughs> dire Straits <laughs> too, right? Dire Straits were listed among their, their mm -hmm. influences. Oh, I can hear uh, that, yeah. I can hear that. Not so much Rasputin. No. <laughs> but anyway, somehow Tanarawin mostly held together throughout seemingly constant government upheaval and a need to stay one step ahead of violence and capture, essentially. Mm -hmm. And somehow they set up their own studio and offered to record music for anyone who would send them a cassette. And their first proper album, the radio Tiz... I don't know if it's pronounced Tisdas Sessions or Tisdas or some other thing, because I'm really bad at pronunciations. It was released in 2001, several decades after their formation, depending on when you peg the actual date of their formation, even though... It was sometime in the 80s. Like, well, yeah, so, so there, I guess... So I'll link to an Al Jazeera article that I found, again, in the show description. I'll put a lot of stuff there. Um, yeah. But, but, but they're part of the Ishumar. They're like this movement of wandering exiles that started in the 80s. And, like, they rejected the insularity of earlier Tuareg generations and were more about embracing the wider world and culture, including music. Wow. <laughs> yeah, even, even Wikipedia didn't have, like, a, a date of formation for them because it seems like they just sort of the impression i got was that they were more of a collective than a band mm -hmm. anyway that that album the, the first album gained them some attention but them uh around the mid 2000s with their albums amasakol and Eman iman important names like tom york started sniffing around <laughs> and they've been stars seemingly worldwide since 
that that whole album uh Tassili, from which we we heard uh that clip is terrific mm-hmm. yeah i like these guys a lot uh the album of theirs i have is uh one of the ones will mentioned uh amasakul and it's it doesn't have uh any uh, fancy guest stars from western bands that you might have heard of but it's you know they've got a very they've got an unmistakable style and if you liked uh what you heard in this clip it's you know it more or less sounds like that i love their guitar sound and i mm-hmm. i think what got me to check out tenari when was reading a review of one of their albums somewhere it might have been pitchfork or someplace and uh the reviewer described uh, their guitar sound as dusty which I, th- I think is a, yeah. a perfect description, Ooh. but but somebody somebody somewhere else I don't know where got really mad about that because like technically dust doesn't make a sound and like <laughs> it that the description doesn't make any sense. But ah, I mean, that's synesthesia. It's synesthesia. It's it, it evokes dust. Now I'm, uh, you, you so listen to it. That's it. I was going to say like, like I've I've never been to Africa and much less the Sahara, but I can really feel like the desert haze with this song. And you absolutely and, can. Yeah, yeah. And in a way, like and like compare that with like the Lawrence of Arabia soundtrack, which is a yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a great soundtrack, but it sounds so clean. Like you can't feel the desert haze with that one. Yeah, you don't have any. Yeah, you don't have sand and dust sticking to you. But yeah, like, uh, well, so I want to. Um, now that I know this band exists, I don't think that Queens of the Stone Age get to be called Desert Rock anymore. Because uh, <laughs> well, cause... I think they're I think they're <laughs> Robot Rock now. So <laughs> okay, good because uh, Tanara wouldn't get to be Desert Rock. Yeah, I, I think the only <laughs> thing that would top this would be like a band from Antarctica or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you can't really get much more desert than that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but so I want to quote that Al Jazeera article I mentioned earlier on Tuareg music and culture, because like, yeah, music is central to them. Like, quote, music has been the be all and end all of the Tuareg media machine. It's BBC, Reuters and CNN. It's debating space and notice board. It's cultural ambassador to foreign lands. It's spur and solace, end quote. Like, it's just it's how they like it's how they propagate their identity, basically. Yeah, there's so many things to say about Tanarawin. Like, like I said earlier, uh, there's a lot of like enga- embracing the wider world and culture to Tanarawin, and that and this engaging with the world has meant both receiving military training from Muammar Gaddafi and appearing on Stephen Colbert. So, oh wow, yeah. Uh, so make of that what you will. Yeah, Gaddafi offered people who were living in Mali illegally. Uh, <laughs> military training mm-hmm. <laughs> because he envisioned using them in to expand his empire and so the band took advantage of that training i'm not i wasn't clear why <laughs> yeah given, I don't, i'm not sure i i, I don't feel qualified it, it, to it, assess the geopolitical situation yeah. in north africa <laughs> but i thought that was an interesting bit of trivia it, like but they this did is literally twice. a band that yeah <laughs> twice received they, military training from Gaddafi and but they're still, yeah, like Colbert and Tom York and Tunde Adabimpe and a bunch of other people are fans. So it's, they don't seem sinister. Yeah. It, well, it's just, <laughs> I honestly feel, I honestly feel kind of voyeuristic listening to this music sometimes. But on the other hand, that's what they want. They want us to hear it. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, but are we done with Sonarowin? Uh, well, we're never done with Sonarowin. There's so much no. to say about them. Uh, but let's pretend we are. Let's let's do the last <laughs> track here. This is Ernest Wranglin with Decord Dakar. 
the song feels like both setting the stage for our next episode, as well as kind of a fun visit from someone who's probably on a bunch of other great compilations. So, Decord Dakar comes from Jamaican guitarist Ernest Wranglin's 1998 album, In Search of the Lost Rhythm, and as the title indicates... We're all looking for someone! <laughs> I thought of that while I was preparing, and then I just it just fell out of my brain, and I was I was legit unprepared for that. And as the title of the song indicates, uh, the song was recorded in Dakar, the coastal capital of Senegal, which will be the subject of our next episode. So one reason I call this a prelude to another great comp that I assume exists, it's because Ernest Wranglin basically helped invent ska. Uh, His guitar session work at Studio One in the early 60s set the rhythmic foundation for the entire ska sound, and in turn the rest of Jamaican dance music, which I just keep learning about on this podcast. (laughs) So, several decades after getting all that taken care of, he rounded up a group of 14 musicians, and they recorded the 1998 album In Search of the Lost Rhythm. Ride my seesaw, take this place on this trip. (laughs) You planted that seed, Mike. (laughs) And the album blends Caribbean and Afropop sounds and has a great sort of hangout feel. And most most of the ensemble is from Senegal, including Baba Mal, who we'll talk about in the next episode. Well, I have, I've got a box set called Tougher Than Tough, The Story of Jamaican Music, which is exactly what it what it says on the box. Uh, it starts in the late 50s and ends with Shaggy. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> um, uh, I think we have our next a, compilation. A compilation that will it, age well. <laughs> it's, it's one I would like to do at some point. It's really interesting. No, I mean, and, I, uh, I legit want that. I, yeah. No, no, I mean, I legit mean that. It would be interesting to talk about Shaggy alongside all of the classic <laughs> yeah, right. Jamaican artists. So Ernest Wranglin is not a name that I know or, or knew before this episode, but he's on a lot of songs on that box. Mm-hmm. Um, he's he's all over the first couple discs. So it's he's he's one of those names that you might not have memorized, but he's he, good chance he's in your collection somewhere if you like the kind of music he plays. And I think this song is such a, a neat mix of styles because you've got you've got a reggae jazz guitarist, you know, mixing his kind of music with with West African music. It's like half West African, half reggae, half jazz. Mm-hmm. And the way they're mixed together, you don't you don't hear it, or at least I don't hear it, and go, "Oh, he's mixing all these styles together." It's just it sounds like its own thing. And you've yeah. got you've got like a got a ska guitar going on in one speaker and you've got this african percussion happening and a jazz guitar solo on top and it all it all fits together yeah. none of it sounds like you know this like novel mashup of styles it sounds like it just happened which i think is is really neat and it's just the whole, it's just a nice instrumental groove that that coasts along and i enjoy it a lot right i think hangout music as rich described as the perfect adjective yeah. to use for it because it isn't the sort of thing that you would think I mean unless you were somebody hosting a podcast <laughs> about the song you wouldn't think to start pulling apart the elements and noticing that oh this comes from this tradition or this comes from this genre yeah it it like you said it just it all fits together as its own discrete creature yeah mm-hmm. Basically, and I I wouldn't be able to peg it to any sort of particular genre, yeah, or or even co- continent necessarily. Yeah, I mean, if you played it for me blind, I don't think I'd be able to tell you where it was recorded. No, 
Yeah, I like that. I like that title. Then, like Decord Dakar, it's like they're set it. It's like they're signing a new musical pact in Senegal. <laughs> <laughs> and this made for really relaxing hangout music for while I was playing the Outer Wilds this week, and this entire compilation did. It's this game where you explore the solar system on a twenty-two minute loop before the sun explodes. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way I calm down in this environment. <laughs> And that's Mali, and a little bit of Jamaica and Senegal right there at the end. And as I said before, Senegal is the, is the subject of our entire next episode, so that's something to look forward to in two weeks. And thanks for joining me, guys, uh, on this one. Absolutely. Yeah, thank you. Mm-hmm. Roll credits. What do you call this record with all these songs? This is comp. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for listening to This Is Comp, a subsidiary of the Discord and Rhyme podcast. You can hear back episodes of this series and our regular album-focused episodes at discordpod.com. And you can also subscribe to Discord and Rhyme on your podcast app of choice. The opening theme music for this series is Houses in Motion, performed by Angelique Kidjo. The closing theme is performed by Kenneth Crayley and based on This Is Pop by XTC, with new lyrics by Adam Smith of The Hector Collectors. And you can hear their music and Kenneth's on bandcamp.com. Editing and production is by me, Rich Bunnell. We'll be back with another episode in two weeks, and in the meantime, be ever wonderful.